At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 649th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who grows compact and bountiful gardens in the smallest of spaces. We're talking with Jennifer McGinnis about micro food gardening. Jen began regularly writing as Frau Zinni in 2011 on her garden blog, FrauZinni.com. The website features Jen's writings, photography, personal experiences in her garden located in Connecticut, and interviews with garden experts. She is a proponent of organic methods and pollinator-friendly gardens, and excited about her first published book, Microfood Gardening, Project Plans and Plants for Growing Fruits and Veggies in Tiny Spaces. Welcome to the show today, Jen. Are you ready to rock tiny growing? Yes, I am. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. <laughs> so I, well, actually, I'm going to go here first. First of all, congratulations on your book. That is, thank you. That is epic. Getting getting to a place of actually writing a book and getting it published through a publishing house is a project. So congratulations. Thank you. Yes, it was a it was a fun and exciting process. And it's you know when I had the first copy arrive and had it in my hands, I was like, oh my god, right? So cool. <laughs> I feel that. I feel it. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Sure. Well, I actually grew up in the city and my whole family um, were gardeners. My grandfather grew his own food. My mom loved house plants and my dad would experiment with like ornamental plantings and other random garden projects. And my grandfather actually introduced me to a lot of the edibles that I am now familiar with growing today, like the tomatoes and cucumbers. He got me into raspberries and he just made such good use of his space. In um, he had a little house in Queens, New York, that bordered like the Long Island Railroad property. Wow. So he had he was yeah he was lucky enough to have a little bit of a yard and like a little postage stamp you know front yard in the city and it was just such a great respite to to be able to go to his place and and be in the yard. So being around plants was like second nature to me growing up. And, you know, if I wasn't at his house, I'd be, you know, going with my mom to the plant nurseries because she'd always want to be shopping for something new, you know. Nice. <laughs> and she would let me pick things out, which was awesome. And I would say I just kind of got more into it when I was growing up and, you know, getting into to be a teenager and everything, you know. And I was able to experiment and, you know, grow tomato seeds and stuff like that. So, you know, fast forward to my first apartment. I'm growing these plants in these huge west-facing windows because the apartment building was this converted school building. Wow. Uh, so they had these gorgeous big windows that, you know, got the nice afternoon sun. So I'd have these giant geraniums and house plants. And then eventually we were able to buy our, our own house that came with like a little, you know, front yard in the back and a yard in the, in the front, front and back. <laughs> 
and you know it was just it was just lawn so I, I immediately nice. started ripping that out and putting in edibles and ornamentals but I realized over time that my full sun areas were actually in my driveway so I had to get really creative with using that space so that includes like you know using grow bags and containers and vertical plantings to to make the best use of that full sun area. Wow. Awesome. So why transition to micro food and explain what that is? Sure. So micro food gardening focuses on plants that stay very compact. So in our you know definition of it, it's a plant that stays 18 inches um, or 46 centimeters or smaller when it reaches that full harvest size. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's, it's taking those dwarf and micro varieties and pairing it with the available space you have. So this is where I think, you know, tapping into growing up in the city really played a role in this because I was aware of people who, you know, only have like a balcony to grow on or or maybe like a front step. So it was a challenge to be able to pair those tiny plants in a way that would be just, you know, not only productive and taking a accounting of the space that you have and the lighting needs and everything, but also, you know, combining them into fun projects. So, you know, if you want to just plant in a window box, that's, that's cool. That's fine. If you want to get a little crazy and, you know, drill some drainage holes into a mason jar, we can do that too. (laughs) So it was, uh, it was really fun to think up those projects to, to highlight those nice, smaller variety of plants. So to be very clear, when we're talking about micro food gardening, we're not talking about small plants. We're talking about small spaces. Well, it's kind of both. So, you you know, you wouldn't be able to take a full-size tomato plant that's going to reach like, you know, five or six feet and use that in like a micro food project. Again, it would be those plants that stay on the smaller side. It could be extreme, like those micro tomatoes that maybe only get like 12 inches tall. Or, you know, you could you could do an eggplant that stays on the shorter side um, around that 18-inch, 20-inch dimension. So you're looking for things that'll grow in containers like five-gallon grow bags, window boxes, hanging baskets, or, you know, you can go even smaller with certain varieties and put them in the mason jars, coffee cups. You know, you could go down to the smallest, which is microgreens, and, you know, grow those in pie pans or... A microspace. um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. I, so I got to know something, and we're going to talk about your website here in a little while. Where did this idea come from, and what inspired you to write? And I have the book here in front of me. This is a beautiful book. Uh, Thank you, know, you. Your publisher's great, and you know they add lots of pictures. So, what's the story behind the book? How'd this happen? So, what was great about the book was. I not only had the ability to write it, but I was able to take the photos for it as well. And, you know, in the case where there's a picture of me in there, that was when I convinced my husband, Tito, to take the picture for me. So that was really great. It was fun to be able to write it and to to pair it with the photography. So when I was doing this step-by-step, you know, I was keeping in mind, like, how would I best explain this so people can either follow along if they're a visual learner or, you know, if the instructions are good enough, that's, that's great too. So I was really fortunate. I, you know, I'm going to attribute it to like a magical experience. I was in the right place at the right time and a conversation led to a larger conversation. And I just started talking with the editors at Cold Springs Press and, you know, we were talking about this idea and there was a vetting process and, you know, we took into account like the background and things like that. And we started working on what a possible outline would be and, and the rest is history. So wow. um, it was, 
it was so amazing. And I'm so thankful and fortunate that I had that opportunity. So did they come up with the idea of the micro food gardening or was that you? Yes, they did. They did. Ah, very good. Yeah, they're really creative about that stuff. They are, yeah. (laughs) They have a lot of great titles for Cool Spring Press. (laughs) Oh, yes, they do. That is for sure. So I'm just looking, you know, thumbing through your book, and I see something here called a cuke tower. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah, that's a fun one. So the idea behind that was, you know, you have a like a narrow corner of your patio or maybe even a balcony, but you have to make sure that you secure it on the balcony just so the wind doesn't, you know, take it over, knock it over. But the idea is that you have this terracotta based pot in the the base, and then you take a larger PVC pipe and you're putting a smaller pipe in there to be the water. So you can pour water into the smaller pipe and that would distribute the water to the roots of the plant that you're going to put at the top. So you're growing cucumbers at the top and cucumbers at the bottom. And then over time, it continues, it like turns into this little wall of of cucumbers. And it works great for um, bush varieties, you know, like things that are going to stay compact. Those tendrils grab onto the pole and they'll Mm -hmm. either go downward or upward, depending on which place the the plant started out. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Now now that you've given me more more information, this cuke tower is even cooler. So you took, what, a three-inch piece of PVC? I believe so. I think that's what it was. Yeah, it uh, looks like a three-inch. Uh, oh, this is four-inch, five feet long, and oh, you yeah. stand it up in a pot. You put soil in the bottom of the pot, and then you stand right. up the pipe, and you put soil in the pipe. Right, and you actually you're going to put some rocks in there, too, to help stabilize it. Oh, very good. Um, that makes so sense. So that helps, yeah, that helps keep the base, makes it heavier, too, so that yeah. way it does hold up to the wind. And that's where you will probably need some help just to have someone hold it while you're pouring those right. rocks in. <laughs> So then, um, so now, now that I, again, now that you shared that, it's like, okay, I get this now. So then you wrapped it with chicken wire and plant cucumbers at the top five feet up and cucumbers in the bottom pot. So you got cucumbers cascading down and cucumbers growing up. You got it. Oh my God. That is so flipping cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of cucumbers, so it, yeah, you and it me produced too. a lot for me when I was doing it. So I was very happy with that. <laughs> Where on earth did you come up with all these ideas? So a lot of these, you know, were like challenges, like how can I do something that would hang on, a, be hanging on a wall? Um, so it was just, you know, brainstorming and I'd be in the middle of dinner sometimes and get really quiet. And then I would say to my husband, like, Oh, that's it. I, I know how I'm going to, how I'm going to grow something on a rain barrel. And he would just look at me and be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's, that's what we're talking about. Okay. So, you know, some of the ideas I knew right away and others, you know, by talking with the, um, the editing team, we bounced things back and forth. Some ideas I had didn't, didn't make it into the book because maybe they were just, you know, kind of simple or um, not creative enough. So I, they really challenged me to, to be creative but uh some things like the strawberry cake tower that one i knew immediately i wanted to make that because i do have a background in pastry so in my mind i was like wouldn't it be cool if you had you know not a wedding cake but like that shape of the wedding cake with yep. the, the tears on it how can i make that happen and i was trying to think of a plant that would work well in that small space and then it, again it was just you know one of these days it came to me like strawberries I'll find strawberries would work so I had the concept I sketched it on a on a napkin and I was like I gotta make this work so this is the, was, this is the picture great. on the front of your uh, book right it is yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. so that was that was a lot of fun it makes a great table centerpiece right. <laughs> if I do say so <laughs> how many how many ideas are in this book 
Yeah. So there's, um, they range in, you know, difficulty, like some are fairly easy. You can take like plant starts from the nursery and pot them up into a window box, for example. Mm -hmm. And then other ones, you know, take like a little bit more work, like the cucumber tower we had mentioned. Some would be easy as well as like, you know, starting microgreens. So it really depends like how, how much of a challenge you want. Um, Everything can pretty much be either built or completed in a weekend and then you're just, or day day or weekend, I should say. And then you're just waiting for the plants to either grow if they're started from seed, or if you put those plant starts in there, just waiting for them to get to that full size to to start harvesting food. Nice. Jen's book is Microfood Gardening, Project Plans and Plants for Growing Fruits and Veggies in Tiny Places. Check it out online for sure, or your, uh, or at your local bookstore. Frau Zinni, Tell me that story. That's got to be a fascinating, fun story. <laughs> yes, I would I would say I wanted to come up with something catchy for, for the garden block. I knew I wanted to start documenting like what was happening here in the garden, but I, I wanted to come up with a name. So I started trying to tap into like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm half German. What would be something cool with that, you know, with that language? So I was thinking, you know, what would be Mrs. Zinnia if I translated it? And that's when um, ah, Frau Zay came up. Um, so I couldn't be Fraulein because I was married. <laughs> so I became Frau Zinni. And, and, you know, you probably guessed what my favorite flower is as a result. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Wow, cool. And so you have this website and you've been doing it for at least 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Um, well, I, I love it. It's a great place to, like, you know, connect with other people. It's not only things that are happening in my garden, but I go out into the community and find experts that, you know, have experience growing ramps, for example, or maybe it's the flower show and we're highlighting like the people who won the awards for the, for the display gardens. Mm -hmm. The one thing about gardening is, as you know, there's always so much more you can learn. So I really wanted to tap into that because my garden experience is just, just one, right? But being able to connect with experts and share their stories and their advice just helps make everyone more well-rounded. And, you know, in one way I was able to, to learn myself, you know, like by going out and, and just reaching out to experts in the community. And along the way, I learned so much more and oh, yeah. the blog just kind of took on its own, own persona, you know, and yep. it was a great way to, to showcase what's growing here and, you know, what, what works, what doesn't work. And, I, I'm always learning with it. I, I really enjoy doing it. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, that's the reason I do these podcasts. We've done over 650 of these podcasts. That's the reason I do it. Cause I get to talk to people like you and I get to learn new stuff. Yeah. It's great. That's one of my favorite things about gardening. <laughs> right. Is, yes. is the community around it. Absolutely. And totally. yeah. So in your 10 years of gardening and in, in inside of your blog, was there a moment when you interacted with somebody or something happened that it was for you, it was like, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. <laughs> wow. I, I would say I've had so many great opportunities to, to talk to experts because of the blog. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, you know, one of the best experiences is connecting with like garden authors like Nikki Jabor or Kevin Spurtu. Oh yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about their books, but it was so great to to talk about their gardens and, you know, what goes into like when they're planning their thoughts. And it was just, it was so great. Like I, you know, it was like, I'm reviewing your book, but 
there's so many experts out there to connect to. So I would say that that right. ability is, is, it's just great. It's huge. Yeah. I've had both Kevin and Nikki on the podcast and Kevin several times. And, and, you know, it's, 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 it, there's this depth of learning that I get to do, you know, when I'm connecting with people like that, which is totally so yeah. much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And what I really like is that everyone's really approachable, right? Like right. you can ask anything and they're like, yeah, like, and this is goes for like so many gardeners, right? Like there really isn't a dumb question. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Like, it's just like you're learning and, you know, people make mistakes and that's okay. And, you know, you might kill a plant and that's okay too, but you know, you're going to become a better gardener from the experience. And I just found that like, even the online community is just so warm. I, mm -hmm. I really enjoy being a part of that. Yeah. And I tell, I've told people this for decades. I've been growing gardens since I was 14 in 1974. And <laughs> I promise you, I've killed more plants. Well, maybe not you, but for the general listener, I promise you, I've killed more plants than you have. Not on purpose. It just happens. And then guess what? Right. That's what we learn. And then, okay, don't do that again. Right? Yes, exactly. And you know what? I do have one more thing to add. Please. I would say thanks to the blog, I've had the ability to connect with so many other garden bloggers and there's a community where you get together once a year for a garden bloggers fling and wow. get you access to private gardens, public gardens, but you are able to connect with like members of your tribe. And I would say that's amazing. Like being able to find like-minded individuals and, you know, you go off to them and you just start talking gardening and, you know, you don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to preface it with anything. You just start with like, Hey, I'm, I'm growing this. And I saw what you did on your blog. And I really like those photos you took. And, you know, you have like two buses of people just traveling around for three or four days, going to different gardens and touring and just socializing. So I would say that's an awesome too, to be able to be oh, part of that yeah. community. So did you call it a garden bloggers fling? Yes. I believe they're more than 10 years in the making at wow. this point. I'd have to double check the, the number that they're up to. I found out about them back in 2017, I believe, which was their Washington, D.C. event. Uh -huh. So I've been to, to that event. They had one in Texas. They had one in Colorado. There's going to be one next year in Madison, Wisconsin. So it's great. It's a, a great excuse to get together and talk gardening and tour gardens and can't beat it. <laughs> wow. All right. I'm looking it up online. Perfect. <laughs> uh, so what do you, what, what are your favorite things to grow? Oh, I would say I have an assortment of things. So I obviously love to experiment with those dwarf varieties and those micro tomatoes. So between the very small ones and, you know, just the dwarf ones, I've started I think it was close to 35 different types this year. So in my driveway right now, I have a tiered plant rack set up and I have all the different pots going with all the tomatoes. So that's really fun nice. to just kind of see how, how they're doing, you know, yeah. the different varieties and which ones taste the best. But I also really love growing flowers. And part of the reason is because I love to photograph them. But also I like how they you know, certain ones will attract pollinators to your garden. And, you know, right. that goes back to the zinnias where they're like magnets for, for butterflies. And I'm a huge fan of, you know, monarch butterflies and yep. the Eastern black swallowtails, spicebush swallowtails. So I, you know, the more creatures I can invite, and I know that probably sounds strange to some people, but Not I to really, us. you know, Not to us. <laughs> I want 
want to invite all those beneficial insects to my garden. And, you know, when I hear the crickets at night or I see the lightning bugs, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm doing something good here. Yeah. Like there's a little place where, you know, a refuge at least, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I recently had a uh, professor from a college come by here to the urban farm and she is a bug professor. So bees, primarily bees. And it okay. was, it was fun to watch her because she'd walk around the garden, then she'd get distracted. And there would be this teeny little <laughs> head of the, you know, the, the head of the pin size bug flying around my mint. And she said, Oh, that's a bee and it's a male. And it's this teeny little, and it's like, wow, all right, cool. And when you really start paying attention to all the bugs and all the creatures in your garden, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you. I think stereotypically you think like bumblebee or butterfly, but then when you see like how many different bees are there, there are, or, you know, you think about moths and just, I don't know. It's just, it is amazing. And it, when I don't know what it is in the garden, I usually take a picture and, you know, I'll try to find it through an app or sometimes mm-hmm. I just go on Twitter and I say, Hey, does anyone know what this is? And usually within 20 minutes, I've got an answer. So right. that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you're going back to your community again, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. I want to just jump back to your book for a moment here and touch on the intended audience for the book? Because I suspect maybe it's a little bit different gardening audience than what we usually expect. Yeah, that's right. So my goal was to get people excited about growing their own food, especially those who are new to gardening. So the projects can be, you know, put together quickly. And I kind of view it as like taking baby steps into this great, wonderful world of growing plants. So this is your introduction and things are going well, then maybe you'll be more likely to, you know, grow another plant or pick up a house plant. So based on, you know, whether you're doing cool season or warm season plants, taking into account your lighting, your available space, as we mentioned before, I'm hoping people have fun with the projects and the experience of growing plants to, for, for it to be a gateway to growing more. And of course, you know, for those who are already passionate about gardening, I hope it serves as an idea book to Mm, try something in a new way, right? Like we were talking about the cucumber tower, like we've grown cucumbers, but maybe we haven't grown them in a PVC pipe, right? Right. (laughs) So I I love playing and experimenting with plants and uh, coming up with project ideas was so much fun. So I I just hope the readers have fun with it as well. Nice, nice, nice. So for beginners, it's a great place to start. And if you uh, are a little bit more advanced, then uh, it's got a lot of great ideas to come and play with. Yes, I would say so. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Perfect. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you learned from it. (laughs) I didn't didn't mean to be a little too eager on that, but... (laughs) No, it's all good. Perfect example. (laughs) I would say when I was beginning with my garden here, I didn't research the plants that bordered my property. And specifically, Mm. it was the black walnut trees. Um, Yep. (laughs) So, you know, I, I, I knew there were black walnut trees because when we bought the house, the woman pointed them out, but I didn't think anything else of it. And I didn't have any other prior background on it. So when I started the garden, I was just so eager to get started. And I think this is where a lot of people 
can also make this mistake where you, you want that garden, the new garden to look like an established one fairly quickly. Right. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, I got it. I got to get lilacs. I got to get hydrangeas. Like I got to get going here and get rid of this grass. But I had no idea that the juglone from the black walnut can stunt or even kill certain varieties of plants. Yep. So by the time I figured it out, I lost a good amount of plants mm-hmm. <laughs> in the process. And it was, when I was researching like the symptoms, like, you know, they're wilting, they're turning yellow, they're dying. And then finally, one of the symptoms connected to the black walnut, and that's when everything, you know, the light bulb went off. And, you know, I would say it's natural, you know, everybody kills plants. But like, if you have that opportunity to kind of research what's around, it could save you some pain. (laughs) Right. And some money, right. So if I had just researched a little bit more, now I find when I go to garden centers and I get that impulse to like, oh, I really want that plant. I at least take out my phone and Google it and check to see if it shows up on any of the lists, like either tolerant or not tolerant. And, you know, if it's not tolerant, then I'll see like kind of go in the front yard, which would be further away from the tree. But if it's tolerant, it usually makes it into the cart, you know? (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and pecans do the same thing. I think some of the nut trees do that too, right? Other nut trees? Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Luckily, I don't I don't have those. <laughs> <laughs> the black walnuts also, you know, make it a little difficult to garden in the fall because they'll be dropping the nuts. So sometimes it could, you know, be like a battlefield out there. So you have to be careful. <laughs> right. And what do you consider your biggest success? I would say having the opportunity to write and, and do the photography for microfood gardening is something that I'm so proud of. And I'm so grateful I had that opportunity to work with Cold Strings Press. Mm-hmm. So completing the book and going through the process. And I'm really excited to see, see where it goes. Yay. Well, congratulations on that one. Thanks. And, <laughs> and what drives you? I would say learning new things because I, I always want to find out how things work and how they grow. And, you know, that, that can apply to gardening, but I would say it also influences other areas of my life, like baking and photography. You know, I've recently gone back into sewing. So I feel like I'm always trying to to learn more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, someday I'll figure out what I want to be when I grow up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 60 and still working on that, so I understand. <laughs> Lifelong goal. <laughs> right? Yeah. Totally. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? So I would definitely say A Way to Garden by Margaret Roach. I remember being a teenager and going to Barnes and & Noble and, and seeing her book on display and just being totally enamored with the cover and like, I have to have it. And I read that book, like it was my Bible. And I, you know, I soaked up the images and the words and it just really influenced me as I developed as a gardener. And, you know, many years later, I was able to meet Margaret in person when she was doing a talk. And then she, oh, so awesome. And, you know, she stayed around to sign books. So I brought my book with me and it's, it's a first edition. And she even remarked like what good shape it was in. And I was just like, you know, totally awestruck because <laughs> I was meeting her in person. <laughs> so I would say that's definitely one to have on your bookshelf. Nice. And I believe it was recently updated and republished too. So people should be able to get a copy fairly easily right now. Nice, nice. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I love to say, if you want it, you can grow it because having the passion to grow something is usually what helps in making it happen. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have the ideal growing conditions, in most cases, you can figure out a way to to make an accommodation, whether it's like adding lighting or growing it in a container if you can't plant it in the ground. 
And I think that attitude played into writing micro food gardening because when you live in a condo or apartment, you have to be creative with how you can best use that space. So in general, in that case, wanting to grow edibles is like the catalyst for making that happen, right? Right. But I don't think people should expect it to like go right immediately. Like like we were saying before, you, you might kill a plant. It's okay. It's just how I learned with the black walnut, you might kill a lot of plants. <laughs> but you keep growing as a gardener. And that's I just love that about gardening. There's so many like rabbit holes you can go down and get specialized information on. And, you know, despite all the diversity, I feel like, you know, growing those plants is what unites all of us. Like we have that passion to just make something thrive and, and grow. Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. How can our listeners get a hold of you? I am on Instagram and Facebook as Frau Zinni. I'm on Twitter as Jen M. Gardens. And of course, there's the garden blog, frauzinni.com. And also my email is Jen at frauzinni.com. <laughs> nice. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash frauzinni. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.